Laura is the one. We're riding the electricity, kids, and we're trying to parse exactly what that might refer to. We're talking about Twin Peaks The Return. That's season three, episode 10, right here on AfterBuzz TV. Stay tuned. You're tuning into the destination for TV superfan discussion, AfterBuzz TV. And now, let the buzz begin. I can't let this play for too long because I will I will get stuck riding this beautiful wave. This tune, which we're playing right now, is the tune that closed the episode out tonight. It's performed by Rebecca Del Rio, who was, of course, the singer at Club Silencio in Mulholland Drive, who mm-hmm. did that wonderful Spanish-language cover of Roy Orbison's Crying. We got to see her again tonight. We've got a lot to talk about, you guys. Oh, so wow. let's jump right in. Let's introduce this entire panel. I am Lex Michael. I'm sitting in the driver's seat tonight for Sam Davidson, who is not with us. Stuck I'm in the red room. Stuck mm. in the red room. We hope that she returns safely with at least some of her memories. I am all over social media at the Lex Michael, and I am here with Michael Shirley. We got two Michaels on the panel tonight. Indeed. Where can people find you, Michael <laughs> Shirley, all over social media? Michael X Shirley on Twitter and Instagram, and we've got a great fill in too. Hey guys, I'm Lucretia Lyons. You can always find me at L A C R E T I A L Y O N anywhere on the internet since there is only one. I'm so glad to be back out of the red room. Yeah, Lisa Mason Lee, and you can find me everywhere at Lisa Mason Lee. You should have been talking like this. <laughs> oh, I'm alive and well. I'm cured. Uh, Lisa, wonderful to have you back. It looks like both you and Lucretia are manning the chat. If you are joining us live, hello. Please participate in the conversation. We love your insights and your input. Of course, if you are catching us after the fact, we are available wherever podcasts can be found. Be sure to go onto iTunes, like us, subscribe us, rate us five stars, let us know what people think of this show. It helps us keep the lights on, lets our producers know that you guys like what we're doing. Right up top, before we get too far into it, uh, I want to do some brief housekeeping stuff. If you are watching live, even if you're not, you may have noticed that you didn't pay anything for our show. And we really love that we are able to bring you this show every week at no cost to you. And we're able to do that because we have some really fantastic sponsors here at AfterBuzz. Sponsors like USA Network, and they've got a new show coming up called The Sinner. It is a thrilling new eight-episode limited series based on the best-selling novel of the same name. And it follows a young mother, played by Jessica Biel, who also serves as executive producer. And while she's at the beach with her husband and son, she commits a startling act of violence that she can't explain. Now, Bill Pullman also stars in this show, a Lynch alumni, as we know, from Lost Highway. He stars as a police investigator obsessed with uncovering her motive and the violent secrets buried in her past. The series also stars Christopher Abbott from HBO's Girls and is pretty different from your traditional TV crime drama in that it's not a whodunit. We know whodunit. The real question here is why. It's the why did she do it. So Fascinating. Exactly. Everybody knows the real question is why. And this show, Sinner, premieres Wednesday, August 2nd at 10, 9 Central. It is only on USA, and we want to thank them for sponsoring our show as well. Cool. Go USA. I'm excited to see this show. It actually sounds, it, yeah, it looks up. really good. Well, I, it sounds legit. In a, in a world where there is a glut of crime dramas on TV, many mm-hmm. of them procedural in nature, the idea of exploring the why behind these crimes versus the what is terribly compelling. Yeah, that's why I love Criminal Minds. It's like, you know you know who did it, but you want to know why more than anything. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm looking for a limited series as well, so it's a nice, compact story. You don't have to commit to 20-some-odd hours of TV. I'm looking forward to it. Plus it Bill Pullman. Like, <laughs> plus, plus Bill Pullman. Yeah. So, okay, one other bit of housekeeping that we want to do right up top. Uh, maybe we don't have a whole bunch of uh, 
extreme close-ups on this yeah. show. I know. But if we did, you would notice that we are a little blinged out more yeah, so than done. normal. We've mm-hmm. got some really cool Twin Peaks yeah, swag, courtesy of, of a company called Rock Love Jewelry. And I wanted to kick it over to Lisa, who can tell you guys a little bit more about this awesome company and how cool they were to hook us up. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited, you guys. Rock Love gave us all this cool jewelry, and we're giving the jewelry away to you guys. We're going to do giveaways for the next three weeks, and we're just going to make you jump through a couple loopholes. First of all, <laughs> you're going to have to go to the Jackrabbit Palace. You're going to have to go two yards and <laughs> you got to find a screen grab <laughs> those coordinates from the show. you got to go. you got to plant a flag and take a picture. Put some dirt in your pockets. No, seriously, though. All you have to do is, like, follow us on Twitter, you know, uh, take a screenshot of your review on us on After Buzz TV on iTunes. Did I say that correctly? I think yeah. that tracks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And then, so take a screenshot of the review, tweet it out to us, and then you'll be entered in the contest. That's simple. A okay. nice review, though. Not like, like you guys suck. You guys are the worst. I hope Richard Horn steals all your money and chokes you. That not, not a review like that. Yeah, so no. we're doing a fair and square, you know. Um, and then we'll be doing the giveaway for the next three weeks. And we're going to give away some lovely jewelry to you guys. So we're so excited. So, yeah. It's we worth... should uh, put in the comments, you know. Yeah, okay, we'll yeah, put in sure. the comments. We yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll post the instructions for how to mm-hmm. enter. This stuff is really cool. I'm not typically a jewelry guy. Well, and I'm rocking a couple pieces right now. Mm-hmm. I got this awesome bracelet that says wonderful and strange i got this sweet owl symbol pin here and i've also got uh keep my great northern hotel keychain company i've got this really sweet the owls are not what they seem keychain we're giving away really cool stuff like this if you're a twin peaks fan like we are i imagine that this would be a nice a nice little ornament that you can keep on your person remind everybody that you're (laughs) part of a very exclusive or you could be Mm -hmm. subtle like me i'm wearing the fire walk with me bracelet Mm -hmm. which looks really nice with my cartier it does look really good on you (laughs) thank you i love that movie we we pride ourselves on being like a super weird qvc <laughs> Please, but enter, enter the contest because yeah. stuff is legitimate. All joking aside, this stuff is legitimately super cool. Yeah. And if you're a Twin Peaks fan, I bet you're gonna dig on it as much as we do. Okay, yeah. So, and it's official Twin Peaks license. It is. It is officially it is. licensed. It's got the official Twin Peaks logo on all mm-hmm. of the boxes. This is no random uh, knockoff stuff that you'd find in an alley, which is not <laughs> safe to be in in the first place. What are you going down there for? Yeah. This is all legit, officially licensed stuff, and we're going to give some of this away. We're going to post the instructions. You guys will all be able to find it after the fact. Yeah. All right. So, housekeeping out of the way. Cool. Let's jump into this episode because although I feel like this episode played in a more straightforward manner than a lot of the shows we've been getting so far this season. So much. A lot. There's a lot to cover. So I want to do my best to take some of this stuff in order. And the first scene that we get is Richard Horn (laughs) visiting (laughs) Miriam. And it doesn't go great Mm -mm. for Miriam. And I want to get your guys' thoughts right up top about this scene because we knew Richard Horn was bad news. We knew that he had no real concern for the lives of even a child. But I feel like in this episode, we see his savagery kicked up a notch in a big, bad way. And right off the bat, I wanted to know how you guys felt about this exchange between Richard and Miriam. My thoughts was that he reacted so calculated so quickly because... I don't know. I don't know if you guys took this away, but I took it away that he, when he left, he set up the house to explode. Yeah, he, he did. Yeah. he lit the candle and, and left the gas, gas. oven mm-hmm. on. I was like, if I were really mad and like like attacking someone, I don't know if I would be brilliant enough to like 
you know, stage that so that, like... Right, like a true crime. Like, yeah. no one could really... I mean, I doubt there are any CCTV cameras around there in the trailer park. So, like, mm-hmm. he can, like, right. get away with it. Well, you're not going to know that she was badly beaten if there's not much of a body no. left. Yeah. yeah. It was it was very calculated, and it just shows how smart he is. And I know that some of the chat had speculated earlier that maybe Evil Coop is his dad. Yeah. So yeah. not not to jump that, too far ahead, yeah. but there is a scene the the next mm. big Richard Horn scene we get in this episode. I think really gave us sufficient evidence mm-hmm. to, if we weren't considering that theory before, to be considering it very strongly now. Oh yeah. I don't like that because that means that. He raped Audrey. Oh yeah, it's horrifying. At the yeah. hospital. It's horrifying. When she was in a coma. But yeah. to to be fair, that does sound like something that Bob would do. Yes, that is a very that Bob crazy, thing to that do. That crazy <laughs> Bob, yeah. that being on brand. Yeah. Look at him go. Yep, always that, raping. That him also and... makes me wonder how when Audrey comes back, how she's gonna react to mm-hmm. seeing him. If and yeah. when. We're looking at her. Uh, we're, we're, yeah. uh, I mean, we're still not there, but we got back Audrey Horn. <laughs> I feel like we got a lot more Horn business Lots in this episode, happening. and yeah. I feel like she's coming. Yeah, mm-hmm. we've set the pieces up, I think, so that when Audrey enters, it doesn't feel like fan service. It feels yeah. like we've really motivated. We're laying out a her really calling. long yeah. red carpet here. Yeah. <laughs> red carpet for her red shoes. So, ah. so we get from this scene, we get a musical transition, and we're used to now seeing musical numbers on the show. This one is unique in that it's Carl Rod, Harry Dean Stanton yes. strumming by himself with a guitar and we get a nice, this wonderful little I mean, relaxing love it. this relaxing little break with Harry Dean while he strums and I I don't know what you guys thought about this scene. I want your thoughts about this little interlude. I thought it was wonderful. I love Harry Dean Stanton yeah. so anytime he shows up on screen it's just a delight and just to have like that moment, I mean it was a good transition because it was just sort of like yeah, life's going on, and all this horrible stuff was going on around him. But he's just strumming along. I loved it. <laughs> yeah, he just likes to mellow. Carl likes to mellow, and Carl doesn't like... Goes all the way back to Fire Walk with me when he had those very strict <laughs> times where you can't bother him on his door. <laughs> Carl's Carl's downtime is very important. I Carl. liked his song mm-hmm. a lot better than the end song. Yeah. <laughs> we, gotta, we, gotta, we gotta talk about that end song, which you apparently you bristled yeah, at a little bit. Yeah, he was not happy when we were watching. I was literally trying to fast forward. It was like, no. is this almost over? And then I just gave up. And I was like, I would have gotten up like five minutes ago and it, come yeah. here. But you had to sit through it because you weren't sure, right? Yeah. Like, like, are we gonna get a whole scene something. after this? Yeah. yeah, like, you know, the brooming, the sweeping of the penis. Right. <laughs> so we get this fantastic musical interlude from Harry Dean's solo acoustic and it's interrupted by a mug flying out a window and we hear some shouting the mug flying out the window by the way is an image that was invoked going all the way back to the very out of print autobiography of special agent Dale Cooper mm-hmm. the, the not necessarily the circumstances surrounding it but the image itself reminded me very much of a very specific reference do you have a copy that of that point. Uh, you, I do I not. I looking online, it's, and those it's actually, are so expensive. Un, yeah, unlike The Secret Diary of Laura Palmer, it hasn't seen a reprint mm. in a very long time. It probably doesn't so have an audiobook either. It's, does it? it does not. You can get an audiobook version of the the tapes. It's called Diane, the, the tapes of Special Agent Dale Cooper. Oh, okay. And it's a mixture of recordings from the show and also new material that Kyle McLaughlin recorded. But there is no audiobook version of the Dale Cooper Biography that costs less than about a hundred bucks online, but you can if you do some slu- if you do some Dale Cooper style sleuthing, you can it is it is locatable. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, it's expensive. Yes, that uh, that image though really 
stuck out to me. But then we cut inside and we see uh, Stephen and Becky. Now, I have some very specific thoughts about this scene. Before I get to them, what did you guys think of this this incredibly jarring interlude between the two of them? To me, it was very reminiscent of early Shelley, and yes. I hated to see that again because I liked the the progression that Shelley became as a character. In my yeah. notes, oh. I put regarding Stephen, I put, "Oh, it's Leo on speed." Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I thought the same thing. And two, if you look at the credits, because we know that their uh, their names are Stephen and Becky, but I looked at the credits in this episode, and Rebecca, her last name is Burnett, hmm. and I realized for the first time looking at the credits that these two characters are married. It is not Becky's on her way to becoming a version of her mother trapped in a horrifically abusive marriage. She has fully become Shelley. Mm -hmm. She is in in an exact uh, parallel relationship to the relationship that Shelley and Leo had on the original series. It would be really Mm -hmm. cool if their relationship continued to mirror that, but I don't know if the show's long enough for us to really get that. The entire final episode Mm -hmm. is just (laughs) Caleb Landry Jones catatonic in a chair mumbling new shoes. (laughs) <laughs> hours straight. He's got a party hat on, and everyone is confused and sad. Except me, who's yeah. going swish called it. So after, after this scene, we move back to Vegas, where we get uh, Robert Nepper's character and John Belushi's character doing some business. This is the first time, by the way. Did you guys catch what their names were before now? No. No, I didn't realize they were the Mitchum brothers. I didn't yeah. know that either. I did not. And this is the first episode where I went, oh, this is fantastic. Not only are they, they shady business people together, but we have another pair of shady mm-hmm. brothers doing business There's together. There's a lot of that yes. going on mm-hmm. in this show. You know, when you get together with your family and you start a business, it's just always shady. My brother said the best business he thought family should start is gay porn and son. Gay <laughs> porn and son. You know, that wouldn't be too shady, would it? So is their yeah. dad's name gay porn? I don't know. Just like what I would re- they do? They they would do- direct gay porn. Oh, I mean, okay. You know, very like I legally changed yeah. my name to gay porn to push this brand as hard as yeah. I possibly can. It's not just my name; it's what I do. Uh, I was also struck Ooh. by how similar. Now that I realize the two of them are brothers, how much Robert Nepper resembles David Patrick Kelly. Oh yeah, mm, which yeah, I yeah, had I not I had not considered that at all before. So we okay, we get this very strange scene where uh, <laughs> Robert Nepper is hanging out. I think he's looking at the casino, the the security logs from the casino, and Candy, this this <laughs> oh, dancing Candy. girl, is trying to kill a fly with a napkin, and feels uh, bizarrely present compared to any state we see her in for the rest of the episode. Yeah. Uh, the rest of the episode, and let's just real quick sidebar, we'll talk about Candy throughout this episode. When we see her in the scene, she almost, if anything, seems airheady, <laughs> but over-present. When we see her again, she's just super spaced out, like she's not even there. So Pretty what sure guys, she's barred out. Yeah. So yeah, what do you guys make of that specifically? Do you think it's drugs? Do you think something else strange might be happening with these three girls when you put them together? I, uh, I think they're... I think... They have a regimen that a doctor has put together for them. <laughs> <laughs> I, thought I, I thought I heard the Mitchum brothers say, oh, yeah. well, oh, she needs some more to live, right? Or something well, like that. Yeah. You can't you kick can't her out. When she takes, she when she takes forever. Yeah, she's nowhere to go. Yeah, when she spends however long it is talking to Anthony on the security footage about apparently how hot it is yeah. and how lucky they are to have AC in the casino. It's kind of that standard, yeah. you know, like Playboy Bunny airhead type that right. you would imagine. But over the top. It's yeah. like sad. But I love I love the That's moment what of Xanax does. Yeah. That is, <laughs> but I love the uh, hard out. I get it. Sorry, I love, I love the oh Lisa. Come on, 
It's a, Such teaching, a good girl. teaching moment. Yeah. Kids, if you didn't know, now you know the terminology for being Xanaxed out of your gourd. Yep. I love the humanizing moment, though, for the Mitchum brothers because we see them as, they're depicted as being very intimidating and very calculating and very uh, efficient, we've been led to believe. But I love this moment where it's like, she's clearly, if she's not on drugs, she's clearly off the reservation mentally. But we're not going to fire her because if we fired her, she wouldn't have anywhere to go. Right. She's it was pretty sweet. cute, so yeah. we'll keep her on the house. Right. It's a good, uh, good way to look at it, I guess. And I love Jim Belushi in this role. I'm like, it, it's so good. You forget what a good actor he is because you, you're what we grew up with was like according to Jim. But then you're like, man, he is good. Weirdly, the first time I remember, the first Jim Belushi performance I really remember that sticks in my brain is his voice performance in a little motion picture called The Pebble and the Penguin. Oh, yes, opposite, I love that Opposite one. Martin Short is the yeah. lead. He's like the sidekick. Uh, the rock hopper penguin who dreams of flying and that his voice is like permanently cemented in my head he also narrated a young adult space jam audiobook <laughs> yeah, no, you, no you listened to a space jam yeah, I, was, I was a little kid when that movie came out it was age appropriate oh, no. i was 24 i was uh, no it was i was age appropriate for the space jam uh, should think about like michael jordan do that yeah, yeah. Like, you i know would think but i guess belushi was available and it's like we could put belushi's name on yeah. this so weird I, and now especially you see that the range that the dude has yeah. that he's not allowed to exhibit i say if you can get yourself belushi you get you get Belushi, even if it's to narrate your your child's Space Jam audiobook. <laughs> so anyway, Robert Never gets hit in the face with a phone. Oh. That that dude needs a doctor. Speaking was it of a phone? doctors, I thought it, it was, was a remote. It was a remote. Yeah. I wasn't yeah. sure. Yeah, I wasn't sure. It was what definitely it was. it was definitely a remote. That guy needs a doctor. Speaking of doctors, here's my segue. Speaking mm-hmm. of doctors, yeah. we cut to Dougie Jones, who is finally oh dear, finally Lord. seeing a medical professional. And I, my favorite part of that scene was nude um, Kyle McLaughlin. That was great. But I love how uh, she's finally noticing that he's hot. And it was just, yeah. it's so weird. He's is like, he? you've lost a lot of weight. Oh, Kyle McLaughlin is sexy. Like, Still is to this know? day. Nothing. Not even time. if, even mm. if Kyle McLaughlin is not necessarily your cup of tea. Yeah. She's comparing the version of her husband, her quote-unquote husband that exists now, to the Dougie Jones we met way back in the first couple of episodes. That's that's a pretty significant trade-up, I would say. (laughs) I'm not... That's... You know, I, I'm not uh, uh, physically attracted to Kyle McLaughlin myself. Maybe, <laughs> sure? maybe, whatever. Who knows? Yeah. But but I I would I mean tell me if you guys think I'm wrong. I feel like that was a, a definite step in a more uh, aesthetically pleasing direction. Well, he had yes. an Agent oh. Cooper body. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's yes. like what he. I've never know. seen him shirtless as Dale. No, this they was like our first shirtless. Well, yeah. We saw him they a few times in a tank top. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, when he was hanging upside down. Yeah, when he would work right. out in his, in, his, in, room, his room. in his room. Yeah, I remember that. But both uh, the doctor, uh, played by John Billingsley, who's got a, a big TV career uh, in addition to appearing in a number of movies. I um, loved him on True Blood. Yes, True, yeah. Blood, True Blood, he showed up. I know he was on uh, Star Trek Enterprise yeah. for a stretch. Uh, did a few episodes of Grey's Anatomy, I discovered, <laughs> while looking up John Billingsley's career. Um, both, both he and Janie E., notice uh, very readily how Dougie seems to have yeah. lost a good amount of weight. And you see the look on Janie E's face. I figured she had to yeah. dress him like every morning. I know, that like, was right. like she a just little bit. She just now noticing? Like? I don't know. I also, but I do buy that if you see him every day, even if you notice, and she, she does comment when she first dresses him, it's like, these clothes barely even fit. Yeah. What's going right. on? Mm. It that may green take, jacket. But it may take somebody else, like a third party, going, wow, Dougie looks pretty good, for her to go, 
oh, you're, oh, you're right. Right. You're also pretty good. It's kind of like a play on marriage, right? <laughs> you're married to someone so long, you're just like, nah. Mm-hmm. Did you, <laughs> did you uh, like how she was so, uh, the way she was attracted to him? It, like, creeped yeah. me out. It was yeah, so it was funny. funny. It was like, <laughs> it was like, oh. Right, she's like, do you, are you attracted are you to attra- me too? <laughs> I love how he just kept eating the cake. Which, so we get that scene yeah. where, I don't know how you I guys read that. it. That how, was really funny. How did you guys, funny. how did you guys read the context of that scene? By like, which I mean, like, how do you read what the moments leading to that, the two of them sitting together that way probably were. Kind of like Mary Kay Letourneau. It was like, <laughs> like a child. It was like really weird. It was, I don't know. I don't know. It was really weird leading up to that. I, I she, laughed. She had a good time. She yeah. enjoyed herself. Well, so I love this idea immediately because we see her staring very uh, yeah. lustfully at Dougie. <laughs> but I love that Dougie is eating chocolate cake and shoving yeah. chocolate mm-hmm. cake into his mouth. And I love this idea because we know that even though Dougie can get the plate, or I'm sorry, the food from the plate to his mouth, yeah. Dougie's not going to go buy a cake, cut mm-hmm. the cake, put it on a plate. I love the implication that Janie E. got him a chocolate cake as a reward for being in such good shape. She's like yeah. a caregiver. I never thought of it that way. That's funny. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The broader context of it made me laugh a lot. And then, of course, we get... Uh, our sex scene, mm-hmm. which sure is something. Man. It was, it, I love the flailing arms. The bouncing up and down. Um, I love, too, what really stuck with me about the scene beyond, obviously, the flailing arms and... And the O-face. The super loud <laughs> orgasms that, that awoke Sunny Jim. <laughs> Very rare, although sex and and not just the physical act of sex, but the idea of sex and sexuality has always been a major component of Lynch's work, and Twin Peaks is no exception. But in the history of Twin Peaks, unless there's a big one I'm forgetting, we don't see sex scenes very often, and when we do, they're often horrifying. (laughs) Yes. This was weird, but at least it seemed like every party involved was enjoying themselves. Right, right. Versus... You think of Fire Walk with me. Yeah. It's just... I think it's like it had to be weird, like for anyone to like really enjoy sex in a David Lynch movie. <laughs> <laughs> like, right, right, right. But also, too, like the most overtly sexual characters in Lynch's oeuvre tend to be uh, simultaneously the most monstrous. I mean, right. I'm thinking not only of Bob, but also going back to Frank Booth and Blue Velvet, oh. where the dude is so overtly, aggressively sexual and is also just deeply frightening. Well, Dougie had a good time. I mean, the look on his face was, no. he, it was like spectacular. He he really seemed to be digging himself like a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Right? Dougie Jones touched for the very first time. <laughs> Indeed. No, but, but what I, the, what really got me, and I want to ask you guys how you read this moment, because I have a specific uh, thought about the moment after where they're cuddling. Yeah. And Janie E. seems, for the first time maybe since we've met this character, seems so relaxed, seems at peace, seems actually happy Mm -hmm. in her relationship. And she tells Dougie, I love you. And Dougie Jones, as is his want, repeats the words back to her. But it's this moment Mm -hmm. of serenity and bliss, at least for Janie E., how do you guys read that moment? How do you guys read so... the further implications of that moment? I thought it was so sweet, actually. I was like, oh, he's like, love you. <laughs> I think he was just repeating yeah, what she was no. saying, but yeah, it came too. off. Yeah, it's cute. They wanted us to talk about that. Yeah. yeah. So here's my here's my thought about it, and I want to know, I want to get your guys' opinions on this. When I saw that scene, my thought was, uh, and this goes back to, I think if we get regular Dale back, 
probably not going to get more than like four hours of him tops. Mm. But I feel now like maybe it's coming a little bit sooner than I initially thought. And wouldn't it be exactly like David Lynch to hold off on Dale waking up as Dale until it can completely shatter at least one other character's life? Yeah, that that would be like David to do that. Just shatter poor Janie E. And Johnny D brought up, you know, she was wearing the red shoes. <laughs> uh, okay, so a question, though, in general. Like, how are you guys liking the character of Janie E. so far this season? I love Naomi Watts, and I liked her when she was just a bitch, like, pulling him around and stuff. But now she's become a more sympathetic character where you actually feel bad <laughs> if something's going to happen to Dougie. I don't know that. I haven't really thought about how that will affect her and her son, but I, I went back and forth from not liking her to liking her to not liking her. I, I don't know. I'm kind of like in the middle right now, but I do enjoy when she's yelling at people that aren't Dougie. Yes. <laughs> not that I even really, I'm having a hard time tolerating all this Dougie stuff. Like, it's like going <laughs> It's on. my favorite part. She loves other, it. Yeah. She fans just seem it. like they don't, they don't like it either. I'm kind of Some getting of over it. And... I don't know. I don't know. I, I, just, I don't like it when well, she yells at do you him, think, though. Do you think that if he if he turns back into Dale, which we're assuming he probably will, is he going to keep her hanging on? Or is he going to just be like, bye, Felicia? Well, mm-hmm. I wonder if something won't happen to her. Like she'll die. Yeah. Well, things, or, well, we see that mm-hmm. things are really starting to converge, and more than one party wants to off Dougie Jones. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Mm-hmm. Now, that's true. An, there are two of them. Yes. But it is an, oh. it's an easy way it's an easy way to not have to address what happens with Janie E after Dale fully comes back but also she's a major player though and I I, I actually and it's not just because I think Naomi Watts is a tremendous tremendous actress but I really actually like this character in a way that I was not expecting to and maybe it is it is specifically because of this episode that I finally fully decided yes I'm completely on board with Janie E because in her lust for Dougie, she <laughs> seems she seems so human in a way. A lot yeah. of our conversation about that entire home situation is like, is this even real? It all feels so strange and so heightened. And the the Dougie lust, as I'm I'm now firmly mm-hmm. going to call it, the Dougie lust, uh, really humanized her even more than I think we've had an opportunity to see before. Jamie, we, give one ride. Jamie, <laughs> give one so far, <laughs> so far. But like everyone seemed to enjoy themselves, so maybe yeah. Jamie, yeah. Jamie give give more rides. Give more rides. And like seriously, not for nothing. It's it's nice. It's nice that those kids got a, a little a little break. <laughs> they got a nice little because I think it's going to get real dark for the Jones family in the days to come. I felt like this episode was a very light episode, so I'm pretty sure we're just going to go down the deep dark rabbit hole well, <laughs> but, next few. But to your point, we're starting to move certain pieces into place, just like the news footage that we speculated was going to come back did come back. The Mitchum brothers see first the news uh, about Ike the Spike's arrest, Mm -hmm. and we get this truly fantastic line from Belushi, Ike finally stepped on his dick, which is is great, and that is now the line I'm going to use anytime anyone makes a mistake of any kind. Mm. I like that. But then we see, we finally see the news footage of Janie E. and Dougie. And they know that okay, this is our this is our Mr. Jackpots. Yeah. I like that yeah. that bit she was doing, like mm. or she was 
the, the, just the way she was talking. Do you mean the way she was describing yeah. everything? Yeah, yeah. Was like yeah a, and then it's like, like no. ninja. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And no, I, Dougie. I also like, yeah, yeah, when he was trying to touch the clipboard, yeah, that was yeah. so funny. <laughs> but I also like how the woman bef- that was interviewed before her was like, he was like a cobra. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Like Sylvester Stallone. Because <laughs> like, I always thought in the original series, they always made Coop sound like this big, like, like, I felt like the only time that they really showed him as being like a really great FBI agent was when they all went shooting, and he—you could tell—he like shot everything like right through the middle. Right. And but I always—I don't know—just the way he would talk to Diane and stuff. I would never really look at him as like this big shot. Right. But we do get like, to see him like mm-hmm. be a big shot, as like mm-hmm. in his instinctual nature. Like he was more soft and level-headed, and just this yeah, likable yeah, guy yeah. next door kind of thing. Kind of like Archie Comics kind of feel. Yeah, yeah. Us. Yes. Yeah. No, like actually, yes. And I yeah. don't know that I would have had that thought if you hadn't said yeah. it just now. But yes, weirdly Archie-esque. Yeah. So we we jump after the sex scene. We jump to some return appearances from some uh, OG Peaks characters. We see Jacoby doing another one of his Dr. Am shows. And we finally oh we see Nadine again. Oh, and her business. How happy did this make you guys? Oh, my God. <laughs> you knew. Yeah. I rewound I'm it. about to cry. Don't talk about Nadine it anymore. Nadine Hurley's dream came true, mm. and she has yes. her Run Silent, Run Drapes storefront mm. right there. And yeah. I didn't catch until the I... shovel. I, yeah, I didn't yeah. catch it the first time. She's got one of Dr. Amp's golden shovels hanging in the window, yeah. and I love... I love how big a fan Nadine yeah, is. Yeah, I want to know, yeah. is it like a joint venture between them? Like, they sell shovels and half and, and drapes in half. Like, I want to know what goes on in this right. store. I want to know where in the world they intersected in town and started hanging out. Or is she she's just like, a fan? Yeah. She's like, he's beautiful. She's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, he's so beautiful. The other thing, and I don't know if you guys noticed this, but that shot of the storefront, those silent drapes are closing. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and the shovel is, disappears. If Nadine is sitting in the back watching mm-hmm. Dr. Amp's channel who's closing those drapes i kind of wondered that too i'm like this they're on remote control yeah i I completely buy they might be and i I will i will certainly entertain the theory that at a certain hour nadine can just hit a button on the desk and close those drapes i also had the thought and this could turn out to be true could turn out to be complete nonsense and i want to know if this tracks with you guys we have not seen Big Ed yet. Yeah, that's who I was And thinking. as much as much as I, I really holding out hope that somehow Big Ed and Norma were able to work it out in the intervening 25 years, I have no problem buying that Big Ed's sense of guilt and responsibility would keep him with Nadine Stay in the relationship. for another 25 years. I don't and buy I, that. I can buy it. Do I, do I, would I bet all of my money and my like overhead and my rent and my food Your for Mr. the month? Your jackpot money? Yeah, probably wouldn't. <laughs> probably wouldn't, but I, I started thinking about how that possibility exists. And I think, yeah. oh, no, would, wouldn't Nadine be even capable enough like to open her own business by herself? You know, she's a little she's mentally. She's grown up. Yeah. It's, I mean, yeah. she was, a, she went back to being a teenager. Yeah. But it's been 25 <laughs> years, so in reality. When she got her memories back in the season like, two finale. So what is she now, like, 40? But what has she been doing the last 25 years? Did she regress and come back? I mean, but she has a, she has a shop now, so I'm yeah. assuming she she's She seems fine. like a really different person than the Nadine we were introduced to. Far more serene. Introduced mm-hmm. to on the first episode. She seems way more like her, like, high school um, 
amnesia. For all yeah. for all we know, even after getting her memories back, after a few years, like Mike graduated from high school and the two of them <laughs> reconnected, I think would we be really saw sweet. Him, yeah, you know, we, in yeah. an earlier episode. But I but I buy, especially since Big Ed, he ran the gas farm for however many years. He knows how to run a business. I would not be shocked if he is somehow connected to Nadine, still connected to Nadine, but connected to her or Drape's business as well. Yeah, I would think that. And two, I feel like if we are going to get Big Ed and Norma together, that they would show it to us. Well, and, on the Entertainment I, and Weekly I, cover, yeah. they're like stroking each other on the cover. Yeah, that's why I'm hoping maybe that's, we get them reuniting on this show. That's what I was hoping, because I'm like, it was such a big part in their love story, and, it's, and I'm like, I hope, Aw. and I'm not, I'm not, like, you guys know, I'm not really a big shipper in general. General, I tend not to be all that interested mm. which pretty person ends up with which other pretty person in a vacuum, but I always wanted Big Ed and Norma to work it out. They were I just so sweet. shipped them so hard. <laughs> um, but okay, we checked in with Jerry Horn like again very briefly. Jerry Horn is <laughs> still briefly. high as crap well, yeah. in the woods. He can't get a cell signal. He screams, you can't fool me. I've been here before. (laughs) Could be an allusion to how there's magic in the woods. Could also be an allusion to how dang high he is. Yeah, he is definitely on some salvia. Um. (laughs) So so not not too much new light shed there, but it's good to know that he's still... He's okay, whatever else is true. Well, I'm starting to buy into the fact that the same things bit him that bit uh, Laura's dad. Like, I, I don't know. It seems like he might be, like, a Bob, Bobish. Maybe Leland kind of. was, like, open for possession because he was on that real, that real good, that good sticky. <laughs> good sticky. Yeah. Like, at his, by his grandparents' house by the lake where he first met Robertson, they just had a, grandparents had, like, a little, little weed garden. Do you guys think there is anything Aww. to it, though? His, the way he's acting? Or do you think that's just because he's, like, a burnout well i think i think both can be true but i think if not he keeps talking about uh marijuana and especially if you eat it like he was talking about when we first saw him this season it produces a more powerful psychotropic effect than if you smoke it but what i started to think about is not weed necessarily but ayahuasca which is something yeah. that dr jacoby has talked about both uh in in the show in the past i believe but if not on the show then certainly it comes up when uh you read things he wrote in secret history of twin peaks and ayahuasca. You know what, Lucretia? Yeah, tell the kids at home as, about ayahuasca. As the uh, resident ayahuasca. drug expert, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, ayahuasca is actually what most people believe that the Native Americans would use to uh, trip, basically go on these you know journeys because it is a, a more powerful hallucinogen than marijuana is considered a mild hallucinogen. And more people are familiar with peyote, but it's very similar. Ayahuasca and peyote are in the same family as far as a very natural hallucinogenic thing used mostly by the Native Americans, which, as, you know, if Dr. Jacoby hadn't even mentioned it, that would be ideally what you would think that someone tripping balls in the woods would be on. And, Political term. <laughs> yes, tripping, tripping balls. Um, right, and so we do know, of course, there's a, there's a long history of drugs being associated with mystical mm-hmm. experiences. And in the world of <laughs> Twin Peaks... <laughs> you're rolling the dice like 50-50 uh, that's not how dice work um, but it's, it's uh, it could really go either way Yeah, I, I think that it could be either or it could be both he could be truly experiencing something he's definitely high as balls though yeah, yeah. So, all right, after we leave Jerry, this really quick interlude with Jerry, we go to the police station, and we know that Richard, after leaving Miriam for dead, texted Dirty Chad. Dirty Chad. About intercepting the letter that she sent to Sheriff Truman. That's what he got. 
Yes. Yeah. I didn't know what he went when I was too busy like writing down stuff. But I thought it was really funny that he was like trying to make fun of Lucy, mm, and then right. it was like she just started to bore him a little bit <laughs> right. because yeah. it was like he was like, "Oh, she doesn't get this." Right. Like, yeah. Oh, there's a mailman. But I also, yeah, I really, I really appreciated funny. though that Lucy didn't obviously didn't know, had no reason to know exactly what Chad was up to. But you watched her uh, yeah. watch him walk out. And the thought on uh, Wendy uh, Roby's face, or not Wendy Roby, that's Nadine, uh, uh, Kimmy Robertson, Mm -hmm. who's Lucy, um, the look on her face said to me very loudly, wait a minute, the mail is my job. You don't normally do my job. This is strange. And even the that's even the, exactly yeah, what I like that, and because it was Lucy, it it was slow coming up with it, but it was really fun to see all those thoughts on her face and like this is not right. <laughs> you say, uh, I bet you wake up every morning and think it's a yeah. beautiful day. Yeah. Like, well, we don't sometimes really have time don't have time to, for to it. think about that. We thought the clock stopped and we didn't know what time it was. <laughs> what time, Andy? <laughs> um, I would watch maybe not multiple seasons of it, but especially one scene we didn't talk about from last week was this the most adorable <laughs> fight that I've ever seen where they were disputing about the, the chairs. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I would watch at least a couple hours of just Andy and Lucy's domestic existence Do at you home think with she, each other. I was wondering, well, when I saw that, I initially thought, is she, did she really want the one that he wanted? Or was she, like, like just to start a fight with him? Or did she cave in just because she loves him? I don't know. I feel like I know couples that do this kind of stuff. I kind of thought maybe she wasn't smart enough to play, like, reverse psychology on it. I think she was trying to. That was her whole thing. Yeah, but I wasn't sure if she was smart enough to pull it off. So I was like, which one Oh, she she, thought she was winning. Do you think she she liked the one she bought or the one that she rejected? She ordered the. She, she or, she's Andy's. just messing with them. But I love. I love that all she needed was for Andy to be like, "I'm sorry, Punky. Yeah. You can get the chair you want." Mm. I she love wanted to get her way. Yeah, it's like. I, but mm. it's also too. I think I love that it wasn't even her getting her way. It was Andy conceding the point to her <laughs> just because he loves her. And then I love that she was like, "That's really all I needed." Red chair. That was really yeah. cute. It's characters Aww. like that that make me, you know say like every week like I don't know if you should read too much into that because there is just so much like sliced life weirdos like random things you'll see that he likes to capture like like uh well like Chad and I love how even the male guy didn't say anything yeah. but was looking at Chad like normally this is where you go inside what's, yeah. No one likes yeah, what's going on here yeah no one yeah. likes him well, I like but I like that clearly no one likes Chad but the rest of the men at the Twin Peaks Sheriff's Department that we've met are all very honorable men of great integrity and they're not gonna fire him just because they really don't like him. Where would he go? He has Chad has nowhere to go <laughs> if we fire him. So he gets the he gets uh, gets the letter, texts Richard to let him know that mission accomplished. Richard pulls up at mm-hmm. the Horn mm-hmm. House, and this is the scene which, for me, really uh, solidified my belief in the theory that he is somehow the oh, unholy yeah. offspring of Audrey and Dirty Cooper. Sylvia uh, is addressed as Grandma. He knows, obviously he knows who Johnny is. And Johnny, still alive. Yeah. Good for him. Little worse, good. Little worse for yeah. him. Why was Johnny? Look at how he got in that situation, though. He literally took a header into the wall after yeah. running around the whole house. Like, what kind of 
person is she, though? I'm like, she's sweet grandma. Wait a minute. He's tied up to the chair. I, I, yeah. I could buy, though, considering how he injured himself, I could buy that Sylvia really believes this is for his own good. Right. Yeah, I didn't think right. it was malicious, and I actually thought he was trying to help her. Like, that's well, what I was so, so sad. sad. He and did. Like, over and, he's like, yeah. Yeah. and then she's like, oh, crap, I tied him up. And it's the weirdest, the saddest, weirdest thing in the scene, too, because when he starts the scene, we see him looking at this teddy bear with a big light bulb for a head that's basically like, hello, Johnny, how are you today? It looks like uh, the, it looks like the head had been burnt off, like, in a fire. It kind of looked like, it didn't look like it had just been cut off. No, they did, well, they did, but they mm -hmm. definitely, like, yeah, for whatever reason, they put some apparatus into the teddy bear that could light. Yeah, why is it so scary looking? Why does it only say one thing? Like, what is up with that thing? they, they come up with one of the merch the, the site, you know, put it in the merch section. <laughs> you yeah. like pull this. I would want one of yeah. those. Yeah. Uh, and we get, of course, Richard barges in. She's terrified. She knows how bad news uh, Richard is. And Richard strangles her for the combination to the safe. Like, really made me concerned. I don't know about you guys, that, like, he was going to kill his grandmother in oh, that yeah. scene over some. I didn't think he was going to kill her. I don't think he would kill her on purpose, but I also don't think the dude cares all that much. Yeah, I mean, you saw what he did he to Miriam. It's like, man. Straight up hit a kid, What's and he was just like, damn, yeah. I messed up the truck. So many abusive men in this show. <laughs> he's got you quite know? the mouth, too. He does. He's filthy. He's I hated how he dumped he her purse the over. The way he, like, emptied her purse. It was like a true yeah. criminal. Well, and he takes he takes money, he takes the jewels from the safe, he takes all whatever he can find in the purse, and then he's like, yeah, I'm taking your purse. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and then, and then yeah. bails. And we get, a little bit later, we get a phone call from Sylvia to Ben, where, t tell me if you're reading, you guys, your reading of this scene differs from mine, but it became clear to me that the horns are estranged and probably have been for some time. And this is only going to exacerbate matters. If Ben was interested in repairing his family before, this is going to make it that much harder to do so. Yes? Yeah, he that tracks? Yeah, I didn't yeah. want to give her any money, and she's like, oh, calling my well, lawyer, bye. Mm. And yeah, initially, I, I asked Kusha, I was like, well, then who is he married to? But yeah, I didn't think about the fact that they could just be, like, separated. No. So. Yeah. But They're yeah, separated. He, immediately, he was like, yo, Beverly, what's up? And, like, puts, mm -hmm. his, puts his head in his hands, almost, like, in defeat. He's giving in, maybe to his own worst impulses, and asking Beverly out. And we don't see her, so we don't know what her response is. All right. But we back get to that attack scene, though. Yes. Did you guys like it or not? I loved it. Like, I know it was, yes. like, it yeah. was like startling, but that's why I loved it. Yes. Because it kind of goes places like that. And it really felt like that scene in A Clockwork Orange. Oh, yes, yeah. very much so. In, you know, because of the music's all kind of, like, cheery and, like, class. Not quite classical, but you know, it wasn't Beethoven, like... but it was, no. yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I, that resemblance, and I couldn't shake that. So, we don't have a huge amount of time left, and we still got a couple of big points that I want to get yeah, to. Cause and like I wanna, Albert, yeah, because like Albert, I definitely want to oh, get your man. thoughts yeah. on a couple of things. So, let's just hit a couple of uh, uh, items real quick. We get Anthony Tom Sizemore's character mm -hmm. talking to Patrick Fischler, who says, You've got to go talk to the Mitchums and put them on Dougie Jones. If you don't get them to take care of Dougie Jones, you've got to do it yourself. So, we finally get this loose end about the arson. Uh, insurance filing from uh, earlier in the season and it turns out it was their hotel and he tells them that Dougie is blocking you getting any of your insurance money and he says you've got an enemy in Dougie Jones but they already knew they were going after Mr. Jackpot so yeah. this isn't really news to them but we also get in that scene 
some more of the classic Angelo Badalamenti score creeping in, which to me was an indicator that, yes, we are moving back towards the feel of, of Twin Peaks classic. So, all right, let's talk about, uh, uh, fairly quickly, this this scene with uh, Albert and Gordon. Because we do really quickly, we get this payoff to what people were speculating about last week when Albert was indisposed. Yes, yes he was probably doing forensics work, but he was also asking out Constance. I loved that. I was like, oh, this is so great. And then Tammy and Gordon were just like, look. It's, it's like, look how cute they are. It was sweet. That was he really would, like, find a woman in a morgue. Like, <laughs> But that's so, if you're Albert Rosenfeld, yeah. where else do you meet somebody? That's like his dream woman right there, I would totally. imagine. It's, yeah. so, it's so great. We work in the same field. You can throw the quips back and forth with me. Like, that's, what a wonder, wonderful thing, bro. But I'm very happy for those kids. As it happy was as, cute. I as happy as Gordon cute. and Tammy yeah. seem to be. And I like them oh. quietly observing and being like, oh, look at them. It's yeah, it was nice. cute. But then we get this moment a little bit later in Gordon's hotel room mm-hmm. where Gordon is drawing something which we get a close on it and I have to assume it's it might be significant because we got a, a close on it it looked like some type of moose with fire antlers mm-hmm. and a long arm with a, a watch type device yeah. on it uh-huh. But then we get a knock on the door. And I don't know about you guys, I've been somewhere in the back of my mind concerned from the start of this season that something bad would happen to Gordon at some point. So when that knock happened, I was like, oh no, is this it? Why do you think that? Because nothing's happened yet where I really feel like David Lynch is twisting the knife. And I Mm -hmm. feel like we're due for a big old knife twist at some point. And I feel like everyone loves Gordon Cole. And wouldn't it be appropriately lynchy for that to be David Lynch killing himself so, off I feel yeah. like would be a really wonderful know. way I don't know. plus not for nothing besides Cooper himself who is a bigger threat to Dark Cooper than Gordon Cole now the top guy who is heavily involved in these Blue Rose cases going back years and years and years mm-hmm. I'm all, so when that knock happened I was like no this is it no. But then he opens the door, and we get that footage of Laura yeah. from Firewalk. Yeah. I was hoping it was going to be her. Yeah. I was hoping it was going to be her. I was like, man. Or at least her lookalike cousin. You know? <laughs> right. 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 Yeah, hey, what are you doing here? So what the, what the heck was that? <laughs> I've always Does anybody know was, what that was? He's like in touch. Don't don't you guys get the impression that he's like kind of in touch? With oh, he's like definitely with the aliens and no. stuff. Yeah, I felt like he had a premonition. And this is something. absolutely oh, a premonition. And this has been part of Gordon's work going back decades and decades. I have no problem believing that Gordon Cole experiences visions of one kind. Or I think another. there's gonna be another Laura. Wait, but then directly after that, can we, do we have time to talk? Oh, yeah, we. Oh that. no, we got in that. But in that same scene, we see that they they intercepted Diane's text, and Diane responded. Yeah. So now they know this wasn't uh, Diane's not playing can't him. It really her. does seem like we can't trust her, and we have to yeah. keep her close. Yeah, I like that. I was surprised they, they caught her so quickly. That was just like in one episode. They're good. Gordon yeah. Cole and Albert Rosenfeld don't play. <laughs> um, but then, two, the last bit of business that ties some of these pieces together is Tammy with that photograph, yes. makes mm-hmm. the connection between Dirty Cooper and that penthouse in New York where we saw the glass box. Mm-hmm. Right. And who was the bald guy in the picture? Did anybody guys figure Not that out? Not sure. In the yeah. chat, if you know who the bald guy was, yeah. let us know. Trench coat looking yeah. thing. We get one more phone call, of course, Catherine Coulson oh. making an appearance as the log lady, and oh. we get a monologue that hits a lot of mythology points in a very obscure way, much in the way that her DVD intros from way back <laughs> when uh, would. And she, she says that line, Laura is the one, which is our, our tagline for this episode. And then we cut to the roadhouse. Rebecca Del Rio plays the song, which David Lynch co-wrote. And we wrap 
for the episode. And that brings us to the end of our episode. Really quickly, because we're super short on time, let's do a super fast round of predictions, like lightning predictions, really quickly. Where's your log, Mike? Ah! This is for you, Catherine Colson. Um, I don't know. I think that there's going to be another Laura. I want Laura to come back, obviously. But I think there's, and I think it's going to be Amanda Seyfried's character. I don't know. I kind of see it going that route. Yeah, I I agree. I think that she might be the next one. I mean, not just because, you know, she resembles her in a way, but it seems like the closest character we have as far as sort of a tragic, you know, female character. Lisa, what you got? Oh, I'm with you guys. Cheers. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. And I do... My my big thought uh, going forward is that these last couple of episodes felt far more so than the first few like original Twin Peaks. And I feel like as these plot lines converge, yeah. we're moving back towards the town where I think all of these threads are going to come to a head. Yeah, and it was I think, all in the Log Lady speech, I felt like. I think, yeah. too, some of the darkest parts mm-hmm. of the story are still ahead of us. Oh, yeah. Prepared, prepare to have your hearts broken, so. kids. If this one was so light, they gotta go dark. For sure. Need so, action. we're gonna be back next week and every week to, to unravel the mysteries of Showtime's Twin Peaks, The Return. In the meantime... My wonderful fellow panelists, where can everybody find you online? Ah, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Michael H. Shirley. And I just launched a new blog. It's called I Love Michael Shirley. My last blog was called I Hate Michael Shirley, which I wrote for seven years. And you can check out a really cool story I did about my top ten picks from the online store at Showtime for Twin Peaks merchandise. And I'm wearing Ooh, one of the shirts oh, today. I, I know, I love it. It is so soft. It's Great. so comfortable. I love it. And I'm Lucretia Lyon, guys. You can always find me at L-A-C-R-E-T-I-A-L-Y-O-N anywhere on the internet since there is only one. You can find me everywhere, at least Masonly. And don't forget to look down below for the contest entry yes. stuff. We want you to win. Absolutely. Yes. We've got a lot of really cool swag to give out. Please enter the contest. Submit us all of your cool reviews and stuff, and we will give things away over the next few weeks. I am all over social media at Lex Michael. And if you're a fan of shows here at AfterBuzz, you may have seen me, Lucretia, some of us host shows with Tari J. Miller. He and I have a new podcast. It's called Missing Out. And on that show, Tari and I, we essentially show each other things, whether it's books, music, TV shows that the other one has missed, and we basically explain why you gotta check this out. You are missing out on X thing. Check out the show. It's a new show. We're building our audience now. We're having a lot of fun. We want you guys to come have fun with us. We love you. We will see you next week. Big kiss. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Laura is the one. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.